0: With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by m Bank, your partner in Possible.
1: All right, welcome back into another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall. We're going to be right back after a word from our sponsor, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning.
2: From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program. For the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room
1: all right we're back um gentlemen i first of all let me don't let me be rude i am joined as always tonight by my co-host josh and joel by almost always um joel Creator of Good Bets, Joshua, creator of Hell, I don't know, man. I'm
2: good children. I got
1: great children. children. You got great kids. Perfect. And a great vibe about you. Just always in a good mood. Chipper. Like that. Um, I don't I, I didn't have this scheduled because JJ didn't say it until right before the game. Can we can we start the podcast tonight talking about the quote about Lynch and Bubich? Yeah, let's do it. Just, yeah. look, I'm going to start with Josh because I, I think I know where Joel's going to go. And I, I'm, I think I'll be more surprised at Josh's take. More like I don't know where Josh is going to go with this. What was your <laughs> initial reaction, Joshua, to J.J. Piccolo saying Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich need to take their careers into their own hands and figure some stuff out
2: and be better? Um, when I sent it to the group chat and I said, well, this is certainly a different tone that has been used against these guys, uh, for the last two or three years. I don't hate it. I mean, any of these guys, if they ever need a, well, it's time to grow up talk. It's usually already too far gone. It's also very ballsy, uh, to, to call these dudes out when your development organization wide is suspect at best, um, to, to even have a hint of uh, blame on the players is is quite a choice, um, but I understand it's it's part of the accountability thing that they've been kind of talking about the last six months or whatever. Uh, it seems like they're actually holding people to standards now, and I just hope that continues. Joel, I made a comment on Twitter that this is one of two things, and I'm not really
1: sure that it can be more than two things. You tell me if you agree or disagree. Number one, this is something bad coaches say because their methods aren't working on these players. It's something you say, well, I'm a good coach. It can't be my problem. This must be your problem. Number two, this is something that coaches say sometimes for players who don't give a shit or are lazy. So I do think that it's fair to give both parties the benefit of the doubt and admit that something's not working here. Number one, the coaches are bad, the development's bad, the philosophy's bad, and these players are be are victims of that. Number two, I think it's possible that we we know Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich were getting help outside the organization at some point in the offseason. Chris Bubich developed a slider during the lockout. Daniel Lynch, by the way, I don't want to act like this is some like oh my God, they were getting help outside the, the organization. There was a lockout. They, they couldn't legally get help from Cal Eldred. Or and the players do that in other organizations yeah, outside yeah. as well. This is All nothing new. Like that's yeah. not a scandalous thing that they were doing. No, yeah. correct. So it's possible that their attitudes just suck. They're not willing to be receptive to help. I'm not going to say who I think the problem is. I just think that you are either faced with the pitching coach is the problem and the organization won't admit it or can't see it or B, you have players who are lazy and don't give a shit. I don't know what the other answer is for why you say that out loud on September 13th.
3: To me, it feels more like it's one than the other. Like, it's number one than number two. I'll put it that way, of your of your two thoughts, like, of your two schools of thought. Um, just because I, I think Chris Bubich is too academic to have that attitude. Like, Stanford kid, good head on his shoulders, like... and, for, and Daniel Lynch of Virginia. Like that's a pretty good academic institution too. Like those are two dudes that know their stuff. And I don't think, and I, I imagine maybe some of that attitude is just what the hell is going on? Like, why is this continuing to happen for me when I've been so good since I was like 11, probably like it, I think, I think it gets to that point for him. The, the and I wish I could hear the tone in which he said it. Cause we just read the, the quote on Twitter, but judging by the context of it, it feels like the Royals are maybe going to take the advice of the general manager in the front office across the street uh, in making an aggressive course correction in the offseason to fix things. Like I, it feels that way. Like it's hard to ignore the struggles that have happened. Not only to the young pitchers, of the big leagues, but everywhere else. I mean, we talked about that last week about how bad it has been at every single level and on the pitching side, outside of a few, solid arms here and there. Like Ben Kudernov was named the Fireflies player of the year and and all that stuff. Like, that's good to know. But, I mean, oh, the overall, like, numbers look horrific. And it's not sustainable. Like, you cannot continue as an organization to think that what you are doing is working. Clearly, it is not. There is – if there were a few outliers here and there that had bad seasons, okay. You can throw those out, retool in the offseason, and go – I mean, it was almost across the board. And it's a reason why a high-A team that we thought was going to be pretty good, a double-A team we thought could compete for a championship, an Omaha team we thought could compete for a league championship, all fell flat on their face. It wasn't the hitters, because the hitters across the board have been pretty good. It was the pitching that failed them for the most part. And you cannot sustain that as an organization if you want to win.
2: My my other question, Alex, you brought it up about them getting help in the, the offseason. Boobich apparently had a slider. And we have seen it zero times, according to Baseball Savant. So, if you're asking me, like, where's the evidence of one guy talking, like taking his career into his hands, wouldn't it be adding a fourth pitch into his repertoire and then using it in the season? Or is he getting instruction that's not a quality pitch? That's not what we're doing here. Is it one or the other? Is it both? Is he just not confident in it? It could be either way, but that was seemed like evidence of him taking his career into his own hands like they're asking him to do
3: that should tell you that Chris Bubic cares like the yeah. ability to go hey like my curveball is fine i throw a good changeup i need something else i need a harder pitch to go with my fastball that i can tunnel and make work and think remember like and it's not even like oh i've been working on a slider i think remember how confident he sounded Talking about throwing that pitch and going, Hey, I think this is going to really help me. Yeah. Obviously, there's some conversation that happened behind closed doors that they don't want him throwing that pitch. And that to me is a detriment of the organization more than it is Chris Bubich. Now, does part of me wish Chris Bubich was a little more strong-willed and said, F it, I'm gonna throw it anyway? Yes. But I also, but at the same time, like, what does that do to those meetings that you have with your pitching coach and the pitching coaches and the development staff in doing that anyway. Right.
1: Like there's a weird kind of juxtaposition there. Mm -hmm. Can I, can I point out that Chris Bubich threw an 83 mile an hour breaking ball tonight against the twins?
2: I mean, where's his, where's his curveball usually sitting? 78, 80. Hmm. So
1: if I'm Chris Bubich, and I hear what J.J. Piccolo said. I heard
3: that quote right before my start.
1: <laughs> like, I'm out. Okay. Done. Bet. Deal. See you on the flip side. I'm doing what I want to do now. This is the Chris Bubit show. That That's the gauntlet you've thrown down? Deal. Tell Cal Eldred to shut up. I'm going <laughs> to do what I want. Now, I'm not saying this is Cal Eldred's fault. I legitimately don't know. I have no idea who to believe here. Because I will go on the, I will I will lick the boots and give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe Cal Eldred is on something and it is possible that they're not listening. It, that, is, that is an inherent possibility that I don't think should be ruled out. I think it is totally possible that if J.J. Pocolo, who I love, by the way, I am so glad he's the GM. I hope they give him more roster control moving forward. But if J.J. Pocolo comes out, says this about Lynch and Bubich, my instincts tell me, that they don't feel like these two guys are listening. Now, could it be both that the pitching coach is bad, the development's bad, and so the pitchers aren't listening? <laughs> yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that is the issue. Like, if you come out, this is so like Kyler Murray. Like, <laughs> that's what I was going to use. Dude, yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? It is September. What yeah. is, what is going on? Like, how is it? We Oh, my God. We had to listen to Dayton Moore come onto the radio several times this summer and talk about the great job Kel Eldred is doing, and now the GM of the team is saying the pitchers need to figure their shit out. What are, what are we supposed to believe here? What are we supposed to acknowledge? What are we supposed to think as fans? Like I know somebody's going to listen to this and go, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about, and the Royals do a good job developing pitching. Show me. Where is the evidence? <laughs> Brady Singer's not evidence. He was an 18th overall pick. He's supposed to be good. He was supposed to be a good pitcher. All you had to do is not screw that up. Like, where is the evidence down the line that you've done a good job? And by the way, this is something I do feel like I am, oh, what's the word? I am qualified to speak on is education in some capacity, being a teacher and a coach. If... What you're saying to some kid trying to teach someone is falling on deaf ears. It might be their fault in some capacity, but your job as a teacher, as a coach, is to get them to trust you, develop their relationship, and then help them anyway. Not throw them under the bus, not call them out in public, unless it's heinous. Unless they've told you to kick rocks, piss off, we're not listening, You don't, I do and and so this is where I'm at, right, is where is the line between it is possible this is the player's fault and the Royals have not earned by any stretch of the imagination the benefit of the doubt to be trusted that this is not their fault. I just, I, yeah, I don't know how, how you can look at this any other angle.
2: I would agree. I, I think, I mean, it's yeah. obviously a mixed bag. I think you can, like you talked about, it could be, could be one, could be the other. It could be both. It could absolutely be both. And if that's an accountability thing on both ends of it, then that's fine. Maybe, maybe there was more to that quote and we just didn't, we're just getting this little bit of it. I, I we, we probably should go back and, and listen to this whole interview so we can get the full context. But if this is like unprovoked calling these dudes out, then that's something it could also be absolutely nothing and it could just be trying to keep everybody in the, in the organization, uh, coaches, front office members, players, everybody accountable, because apparently that should, that's not, um, a given, uh, what it sounds like. So I don't know. It, it's, it's a complicated matter. I'm trying to find that 83 mile an hour. Cause it is showing up in these stat casts, but, um, I, I don't, it's hard to find it and pinpoint it out of the, out of the, the mob believe, of pitches here.
1: Yeah, I believe it's in the fourth inning. If that helps, I doubt Baseball Savant would have just gone ahead and classified classified it as a slider. Um, right, because they it takes their their program a minute to catch up to everything. Like yep. I remember wh- whose debut was I at where Luke Farrell maybe I think it was like, Luke Farrell's debut and it was counting like his ninety three mile an hour sinker as a curveball or something. It, like yeah, had no idea. So like, Baseball Savant does take some time, but. Um, I did think it was interesting that that he threw a really hard breaking ball and I went, huh, that's ironic timing. Like I was yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. So
2: there's an 82 point six that looks pretty 12 to 6ish. Um, so it doesn't have a lot of like horizontal movement. So I don't know if it that's if that's the one. Curveball but it, yeah, yeah. So I know there are sliders point. that classify as more like more vertical depth and than, uh, than horizontal movement but huh. i don't know either way they're getting shelled six to nothing so <laughs> it might be no his hit? way but it's still not maybe not effective joe, still ryan, no hit? joe ryan's been their father all year um
1: they are getting no hit top of the seventh two outs no hit. hey
3: joe ryan throwing a no hitter no hitter no hitter no hitter
1: no hitter he's good
2: <laughs> he's very good oh
1: my god okay uh into the seventh inning no hits so here is the deal, really quick. Joel's going to hit a DraftKings ad, really quick, and then we're going to get back to the minor league portion of our Royals Farm Report since we need to stick to the minor leagues according to sources. So
3: <laughs> the wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas just in time for football season. This means you can bet legally on same game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State to celebrate DraftKings is giving Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook gambling problem, getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and over, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at draftkings.com/kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino.
2: Well that. Cool. I've heard that a few times from a lot of different readers and you are nailing it sir. Uh, I'm doing my best. I gotta,
3: do, I gotta do I gotta do it on two shows. So you mm-hmm. know getting getting, getting better getting at practice. it. But before mm-hmm. we move on, y'all y'all have any plays this weekend?
2: Whatever the Chiefs, I'll wonder. take the take whatever the Chiefs are given. They're getting they're laying three. Three? That oh, was three, Which yeah. Essentially I'll, I'll is that. yeah. We'll oh, see.
3: it's up to four. Interesting. <clears throat> probably means JC Jackson's not playing and Keenan Allen.
2: Yeah, I saw Keenan Allen probably in and uh JC Jackson was limited today. Trim McDuffie to the IR. Not great. Unfortunate.
3: Unfortunate. I'm about to go sicko mode for a second. Y'all ready for this? Mm. Hell yeah. So we're going to a completely different time zone, Uh, not the West Coast. In fact, we're going 15 hours ahead of where we are right now in Arrowhead time to the Australian Rules Football League Finals. (laughs) And I'm betting the Brisbane Lions plus 21 and a half against the Geelong Cats. And the Sydney Swans money line against the Collingwood Magpies this weekend uh, in the semifinals of the Australian
1: Rules playoffs. Okay, all right. I'm not entirely sure what you just said, but
2: taking your uh, taking your word for that one.
1: Send it in a text, and I'll see
2: if I can find it on Bovada. You got Uh, insiders, you and your uh, your cronies.
3: Yeah. I, I had, I had a, a friend that I talked to over there quite a bit and I said, dude, okay, my, send me, send me your bets. I need to, I need to freak out my friends on my, my podcast tonight. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like, like that's a level of degeneracy that people listening
1: to this now are going to go, holy <laughs> crap. This dude has a problem. So I was going to start this off tonight and I, I didn't tell you guys what I had planned because I don't really feel confident about where this is going at the moment. Um, (laughs) so the first topic in the tweet that I sent out about what we're going to talk about tonight is internal options to fill the rotation next season. And I have a surprise for you guys. Mm. There
2: are none. (laughs) They don't, they don't currently exist. Is that a surprise?
1: Like you've seen the phone, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the video of Tyreek Hill help is on the way. It's not, (laughs) it's not coming. Uh, Drew Parrish was getting shellacked in triple A after dominating double A. Um, I do think there is a chance Drew Parrish pitches in the big leagues at some point. I think he could be an effective big league pitcher. You cannot go into the next season thinking, Drew Parrish, here he comes. Hmm. Alec Marsh, ERA over seven at double A, not happening. Not a guy that you can just bank on to fill out the rotation in 2023. Carlos Hernandez looks to be sent to the bullpen, not banking on him. Chris Bubich, really? Daniel Lynch, is that's the guy we're banking on?
2: So you have Brady Singer and? Uh, potential free agent targets and outside the organization. Who who do we feel good about outside of Brady Singer
1: that we know is going to be under contract for next season? Right now, who do you feel good about? Uh, Angel Zerpa. Yeah. Okay, there's one. My bad. He's hurt, though. Yeah. And we've never really seen them give him a shot. Yeah. Max Castillo, I like, I personally really like. Yeah. Right, is that the guy you're banking on in a competitive season to be your number 3 or 4? Probably yeah. not.
2: And Zerpa's still only had like what 20 major league innings pitched. If I mean, bad. he doesn't not yeah, even. yeah, it's not, not even. much.
1: He's had made three big league starts. Yeah. And so so which of these guys are we supposed to think this is the rotation going in? that is going to take this team to 500, they, it, it's not in place. Not yeah. with the current development system, not with the current coaches. So we're going to talk about some solutions. How mm-hmm. can the Royals make this work? I've got an idea. I'm ready to run it by you boys. Let's go. go. Michael Garcia,
0: mm-hmm. Anthony
1: Veniciano, Luca Tresch. Find me somebody else. Whether it's a Nick Prado, a Michael Massey, a Gavin Cross, go get me a Pablo Lopez out of Miami. Go get me a Zach Gallon out of Arizona. Those are the two guys that I've kind of paraded around. Especially Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon is so good. Yeah, he's yeah. so good. I would give whatever whatever they want. Almost you want Mondesi too? Okay. Like wh- <laughs> what else? What else? Yeah. Nick Lofton. Give me Zach Gallon. Give me Zach Gallon. We can cook. The problem is that I think we're going to run into, because I want to get your guys' ideas here in a second. Whenever we get to a point where we're ready to add a pitcher through trade, if, if we think that's available, this team has more holes than they can trade players right now. Like mm-hmm. I agree with the idea that you probably have enough bats where like, if you are an arm or two away, you sign one, trade for another, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But by the time you traded for all these guys – all the arms you're going to need, you'd be out of bats. So walk me through it. I like Zach Gowan. I like Pablo Lopez. And then kind of the thing we talked about off screen or off the, off air is the the three prospects that I would be looking to move to try to get something back is like a Michael Garcia and Anthony Veniciano, because I do think teams will value him more than maybe people realize. Like I just, in my heart of hearts, I feel like his value is higher than, what most people are giving credit. And then Luca Tresh, their high A player of the year. I want to hear your guys' thoughts because this rotation, as it currently sits, has a long way to go.
2: Yeah, Joel, do you want to go first? Do you want me to take it? Uh,
1: sure. I mean,
3: I really haven't thought of too many other trades that I would make other than Gallon or Lopez. I tried looking at for other – okay, here's an idea. I don't know if Miami would go for it, but then again, I think they're kind of open for business. Do you go, like, would you go Prado, Garcia, Veneziano, and throw in a trash for Edward Cabrera?
1: I think Edward Cabrera, more control, and I think he has a higher ceiling than Lopez. I agree. No, I like Edward Cabrera out of there, too. I left him off because I think if you're dealing with Miami, I think that's a guy... That I would not they move if I were them. Though. I would okay, just, they, for that same reason, but I, I totally agree. If that's if that's your goal, go get him. At the deadline, they
3: said everybody but Alcantara. If they have that same mentality this offseason, I would go and try, I would go and get Edward Cabrera before Lopez. I don't know. Something about Pablo Lopez just like I I don't like I'd be fine with it, but I don't know if he's the one that you think you're getting. Right? Like, okay. does that make sense? Like yeah. I think if he if you're asking him to be your th- two or three, then cool. But Correct. if you if you are trading for him to be your one, then you are asking a little too much. You go and trade for Zach Gallon, that's your one. Yes. And I think that is one A, one B, one C for me. If you if that's a movie that you absolutely want to take a massive Jorge Soler-sized
1: home run swing on, then do it. Agreed. And I think, by the way, if you got a gallon and a and a Cabrera just for or or a Lopez for argument's sake, and added him with Singer. You've got a three headed monster at the top of your rotation. But think about what we're talking about. Then is you have Brady Singer, and you still need the other two heads of the monster. The, the okay. Two heads. Now,
3: right, and then so on the free agent side, I brought I talked yeah. about him with Jordan Foot last week. It's a guy that I we brought up in the past on you know text and whatever. But Chris Bassett, I think, would is meant to pitch for the Royals, but. He's 30, he's 33, going to be 34 next year. So, you get him for like on a two or three year deal, like the way he pitches is going to age fine. Like, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. Um, he is more control over velocity, but he still can run up to 94, 95 when he needs to. And just a bulldog type that I think the Royals could really, really use and isn't just an innings eater, like, he can go and get you seven on a even when he doesn't have his best stuff but it's not like Mike Minor where the Royals sent him out there to die most days just to save the bullpen like Chris Bass can actually go and get you a solid six or seven every fifth day
2: yeah I think that's fair um <clears throat> my the way I kind of went with this is uh as far as the three internal candidates I had Garcia too just because you know he's we've got options that are uh, top end, probably higher and more valuable than Michael Garcia right now. So it's a you know easy. You're you're dealing from a strength to to go get weakness uh, reinforcements. Kyle Isbell is another one, but you still might be selling low on him. Not sure what he's bringing back in a trade, depending on who values what with him. He could be someone who you can like a throw in, major league ready. Maybe some of these teams like the Florida Marlins, like the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are you know on the fringe of contending could use a major league ready guy like Isabel and I think <clears throat> Nick Prado if we're trying to do something significant which kind of sounds like what we're trying to do with Gallen with uh, uh, Edward Cabrera, 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 Cabrera and um, Pablo just on the, yeah Jorge Lopez it sounds like Prado will have to be the headliner if not more like Gavin cross. If not, it's something more like that. So if we got a deal from one of these guys that is going to hurt all of us to the core Prado is probably the guy that I'm looking to deal uh, out of this. Um, Again, we're probably, we'd probably be dealing at a lower price, a lower value, especially considering they're getting away with a shift. Um, He's one of those guys. I think he's hitting 45.2% of the time. He's pulling the ball. So I think he will absolutely benefit from this, uh, this lack of a shift. We might be really seeing what he can do, uh, and his average is going to climb next year. So we could be dealing at a wrong time to do that. But if we got to make room for him, there's already a logjam in the corner outfielder positions. I don't know how that's all going to work moving forward. Prado seems like the, the, the one to go get. So my plan... The guy that I haven't heard about, talked very much, and probably rightfully so, but he has been very solid, very Jim Shieldsy type of trade, is Merrill Kelly for Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, 34 years old next year, two years more control, but he has a 385 xPip. Uh, he has a 21.6% K rate, 7% walk rate, his 218 average, and he's got pretty decent stat cast peripherals, somewhere in the 60s and the 70th percentile, so it's not going to change your whole rotation like a Pablo Lopez like a uh, like a, a, a Zach Allen but he's going to be solid he's been solid the last three seasons he has the 21st most innings pitched in the last three seasons so he can eat innings and provide stability in that and it won't cost you much maybe you have to give up like a boobich a Kyle Isbell and Daryl Collins to go get him and I think that's absolutely on the table at this point so yeah, maybe Merrill Kelly is on that and and then you go pair him off with a Sean Mania, with a Chris Bassett, with a bring Zach Grinke, who's been surprisingly solid on the whole outside of the injuries this year. Um, go get somebody else to kind of add to that. And then your next call is to the Dodgers for Evan Phillips to bolster that bullpen a little bit more. He is probably he's the setup guy right now for a World Series favorite team. They're I think Kimbrell is a free agent or at least has an off-player mm-hmm. option at the end of the year. He's probably out. He's got 20, he's 28 years old. he got four years of control as Phillips. But uh, his XFIP is great. His K rate is great. His walk rate is a little bit high, but you can throw him in the back of a bullpen. They've got star Kretarol, and they've got uh, Blake Trinan still in their contract next year. So they have guys that they can put in the back of their pen, and they're the Dodgers. So they're just going to go sign the best one anyways. And they can potentially be gotten for like, I don't know, a Michael Garcia, Tyler Gentry, and Luca Tresch is, according to baseball trade values, is a doable package. So maybe you look at Evan Phillips to kind of bolster that bullpen, and then all of a sudden the games are shorter. You don't need the Zach Rinkies to go six. You don't need the Merrill Kelly's to go six. You don't need that. You, these guys can come along. We can patchwork this rotation until these young guys figure it out or try to, or the next wave is ready. So I think that that would be the goal is to patchwork this rotation to open this contention window. And then hopefully by that time, Kuterna, Mazzucato, Daniel Lynch has figured it out. Ace Lacy's figured it out. Alec Marsh has figured it out. John Boland's got it together. Maybe some of these guys start figuring it out and you start opening that window for a longer amount of time.
0: Done. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
3: Okay, I have an idea for another one that I was thinking of as, as Josh was uh, going on his soliloquy there. Um <laughs> And this is a big if because I don't know if they'll do it, but they might. If the Angels blow it up and like trade Otani this offseason, oh boy. <laughs>
2: okay. No, I'm not
3: saying we're going to go trade I like for this Scho- caveat Ohtani. already. No, no, no. We're not. No, I don't think it's that far out. Is that crazy? Is it that crazy? They talk about trading him the, at the deadline
2: to the Royals? No. Oh, <laughs> I was like, they're just, this is just, no, the no, no, just in general,
3: like. Yeah, this is a, like if the Angels blow it up and trade Otani, and they're just going to completely tear it down. What about Patrick Sandoval?
2: Hmm.
3: That could work. Yeah. Have him I under control. Say, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. I may you have group text earlier when I was giving Josh crap for yeah. him. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 really, no. Right? I am not that. I'm not that crazy. I'm not that out of my mind. I didn't. I didn't smoke my lunch. Like I promise. Like I'll I'm dare not you. that. I didn't go that nuts with it. But I'm saying, like, if they trade Otani to somewhere else and they're just tearing it down and trying to just build the their farm system up, which is horrend, horrendous, then you go and you probably don't even even need to make Prado the main piece in that. Like you probably this may be a little bit of a cheaper move, but you have him through 2026, and. Two nine eight ERA in one hundred twenty seven innings this year. One hundred thirty one punchies. He's got a CG shut underneath under his belt. The walks are a little high, but that could be a guy that you go and make a move for, and it's not going to cost you as much as a Zach Gallen or a Pablo Lopez or a Herman Marquez or something like that. Could be a little more under the radar move that I think could turn into be. He could be like your like a he's like your lefty britty Singer. Like he's not a one, but is he a really good two? Then yeah and you fill yeah. your rotation with that, and you still go make a move for a Chris Bassett or Shamanaya or someone of that nature, uh, that could that could be a really good move.
2: I'd be terrified to give up anything for anyone who has any kind of command or control issues. If they have anywhere relevantly high walk rate, I don't want any part of them unless they're getting signed to a low free agent deal. Because Is that, the, is that a Cal Eldred thing? I don't know who it's just this organization, not it's a being developmental to thing. How to throw strikes. It's just not, it's, I, I don't have faith in it at the moment. It could turn it around and next year be completely different. All they do is throw strikes and make people whiff. but that's just not a thing right now. So I'm not, y'all thought I was ins- significant value on that.
3: I can't believe y'all thought I was insane enough to think that the Royals would. Say <laughs> yeah, you started talking. I was like, what is he? Where is he
2: going with this? <laughs>
3: You didn't let me finish. You started cutting me off,
2: asshole. Would, like, you, would you, you let know? me Whoa. trade Bobby Witt Whoa. Jr. to go get one season of Shohei Otani? No. Uh-uh. I didn't think you would. Can we
1: uh, – Bring us, us, back. Back, bring us back. Bring us back. Bring us back. Bring us back. later this offseason, when we've got nothing to do but talk about how terrible Mizzou's basketball team is, nice. we'll come back to maybe should they trade Bobby Witt Jr. As a, as a joke, is a joke, we will maybe come back to that later if we if we're feeling that negative. But for now, um, really quick, so I, I hope the point of that, by the way, just if you're listening still, A, what are you doing? Go get a life. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> B, the whole point of, of this conversation is the Royals got a long way to go to fix pitching staff because it's bad and somehow not getting any better. Like, it's getting worse, if it's anything. worse, it's yeah. Worse.
2: Nothing. We about came into the year F. thinking like, "Oh, Keller will be fine. Singer will be fine. We got Greenkey. There's three good options, and now we have one. And then Greenkey might be back. We'll see. we? We came into August thinking we might have three. Yeah, at the front. Yeah, into
1: August. The wheels fall off. Brad Keller to the bullpen. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, I just that's that was the point of this conversation. Is a there are people out there that the Royals could go get. It should be a hot trade market. There could be a lot of movement. Um, if the Royals want a frontline guy, if the Royals want a mid-rotation guy, if the Royals want to pair a trade with a free agent or and, and find a one and a three in there, I think they can go get it. And I think they have the means to do so.
3: Mm-hmm. But they're
1: going to have to totally rebuild the rotation or the way they identify and fix pitchers. Because going into 2023, if this is the rotation they run out there, they're going to lose 90 games again. For a fact, so Mm -hmm. keep that in mind as we get in the off season. Right now, let's get in the minor league minute. The minor league minute is brought to you guys by Drum Farm Foster Care Center out in Lee Summit, Missouri, off Lee Summit Road. They have a wonderful campus out there for foster care families to live in community with one another. They they raise their foster families there on the campus together. In like I said. They are all right there, right? So it's not just your family. It is other families growing together. They have a, on Saturday mornings, uh, up until the beginning of October, they still run in their, um, their farmer's market Saturday mornings. They have a compass program on campus for kids who have aged out of the foster care system to come back and have that support that they don't get when they turn 18. Wonderful people out there doing wonderful stuff. Again, big thanks to Drum Farm for picking up the minor league, and their supporters for picking up the minor league minute this year. Gentlemen, the A-ball teams are done. The seasons are over. The Royals named Ben Kaderna and Carter Jensen, players and pitcher of the year at Lowe in Columbia, two Kansas City kids, two 2021 draftees. They named Peyton, no, Luca Tresh and Emilio Marquez, Players of the year at high A, Luca Tresch, another 2021 draftee, Emilio Marquez, an undrafted free agent pitcher. Not undrafted free agent, I'm sorry, international free agent international. signed pitcher. The overwhelming theme for both teams was just an, a general lack of talent for most of the season. Doesn't mean they didn't have talent. It was just not good enough to compete at a very high clip almost all year. Columbia, hashtag second half team, made a valiant effort to push for a playoff spot before getting boat raced by Charleston for most of the week. Quad Cities never really came close. And this is the fear, by the way, for a team that is getting close to being ready to competing, to have nothing in high A, low A, that you can deal because you'd like to keep your prospects at double AA, A, triple A to help out the wave, having nothing in high A, they have nothing. There's nothing there that they could deal for a high end pitcher for a, a Zach gallon. Like Peyton Wilson might be the only, and Luca Tresh might be the only prospects that were in high A all year that you could say, Hey, those guys could go help you get the piece. So that is problematic, but the seasons are over. We're going to talk to the broadcasters for these respective teams next week. In the next couple of weeks to get an idea of how the seasons really went, but really quick in Columbia, Gavin Cross, Caden Wallace, Carter Jensen, Lisandro Rodriguez. Um, I'm missing somebody. Um, it, Rivertown ended up in high A, but those seasons are over. Luca Tresch, Diego Hernandez, Tyler Gentry spent some time in high A. Diego Hernandez, Tyler Gentry, obviously been in double A for a while. Joel, we'll start with you. Any thoughts? On the A-ball teams, outside of kind of disappointing seasons, even though toward the second half, towards the back half of the season, things did pick up and they became a little more watchable uh, over the over the, the 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 home stretch.
3: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going to hang my hat on with this team, like for being the worst team in minor league baseball ever to ever exist. Like those dudes in Loway competed their ass off down the stretch, so I mean that there is something to be said for that, and a lot of those guys were they were 19 year old, like Latin guys that are getting their first shot or their Frank Mazzucato, Ben Kuderna, Shane Panzini getting their first shot at pro ball. Like there, there is something to be said for taking your lumps there. Like that's going to happen all and all of them. It just happened for all of them all at once. And there was not a lot of bright spots for the first two months, really outside of Carter Jensen. And then it started to pick up. You started to see some improvement as the year went on. That's what you want. Like, Sure. Winning a Sally league championship would have been awesome, but these guys improved marginally throughout the year. You could see them down the stretch when they got that injection of the college kids that had just gotten out of the college world series and super regionals and Gavin cross and Caden Wallace, they get in that lineup. Lisandro Rodriguez comes up and starts te- lighting the world on fire before he got hurt down the stretch. But there is a lot to like here. And this group stays together and goes to high a next year for the most part. Um, that team is going to be fun to watch because you're going to have a lot of these guys there. Uh, I don't think like you're for sure going to see the three big prep pitchers, Caden Wallace, Gavin Cross, Carter Jensen, are going to Quad Cities. Losandre Rodriguez probably not too far behind. He didn't spend a ton of time in Columbia. I imagine he starts the season there. But there's a lot to like with a lot of these these guys. So that's what I'm going to take away. Is I, we saw the flashes, we saw the potential. And now it's a matter of these guys continuing and building off of what they did at the end of the year and taking that into 2023. Not even really talk about Eric Payne, who actually wasn't awful over the last like month of the year, which considering what he was for the first, like four months of the season, that's saying a lot.
1: It sucks that he got hurt right at the end of their season because he was, it finally looked like it's like, Hey, look like we're, you know, the, the strikeouts were still an issue, but Early on, it was strikeouts and quality of contact were both horrendous. And then at the end, it was like, we're hitting the ball really hard, really frequently. Every other at-bat was a strikeout, but hitting the ball really hard, it was really cool. And then he got hurt like, damn, like, come on. Like, we can't have one nice thing here to end the year. Um, I do want to point out really quick, Tyler Tolbert. Yes. 60 stolen bases. Not a single caught stealing, maybe the most prolific base stealing year a prospect has had in high A in a long time. I know Billy Hamilton stole like 150 bases at double A, or maybe it was triple A a few years back. He also got caught like 40 times in the in route. Like he got on base like what 145, 150 times, stole almost every viable bag, but was thrown out on every other bag that he tried to steal. Like, I think I think we looked that up. He tried at least attempted to steal like seventy five percent of the bases that he was on.
2: I'm gonna try to find that because I've season. heard you I've heard you reference it a few times, and I need to go find it now. Yeah,
1: so it was I mean insane what he attempted to do. But anyway, Tyler Tolbert sixty and O. That is unbelievable. It is it is so hard to do. And I posted that tweet about. Um, all the other prospects with like 60 or more stolen bases, it was like 13 caught stealings, 14 caught stealings, nine caught stealings. Tyler Tolbert, zero. They didn't get him once. It's unbelievable. That is not just great elite base stealing. It is efficient base stealing. And there's an incredible amount of value added to your, like if you, if you had like a minor league war number, right?
2: Did you find Billy Hamilton? I did. Stole 155 bases. In 2012, between high 80 and double A, he got caught 37 times. I don't know. I mean, 155 stolen bases in a season. Crazy talent. So that's Crazy 192 tout. attempts? Yeah, something like that. It's getting a lot of sprints in.
1: <laughs> that's, that's more than a baseball player number. should be getting in, unless you're Ricky Henderson. It's moving. That's
2: so stupid. <laughs> It's such a stupid... <laughs>
1: 155 that I was is looking at the wrong is, column but sweet as Jesus. soon as i get on base i'm running to the next one like yeah i'm not I mean... i'm not waiting and by the way to be on base now he's yeah you gotta you gotta consider he probably stole third base 50 times like a third of the bases he stole were probably third base but still to be on base a hundred times and then to steal every one of them is just. Could you,
3: could you imagine, like, Alex, you were a pitcher too? Like, could you imagine you crap that guy got on base and you know he's going to steal and there's like nothing you could do about it? Nothing. Like, yep. I, I wouldn't
1: even. I'd pitch from the windup. Yeah.
3: Just there you go, dude. Screw it. He'd take two bases off
2: of you and one, yeah. one pitch. It didn't even
3: matter. Like, you could make the perfect
1: slide step pitch out. Didn't matter.
2: Yeah. yeah oh, it unreal. was real. Josh, any thoughts on those two teams just as a whole? I mean, Joel kind of hit the head uh, on the on the nail. That's not right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a long day. Uh, yeah, you're kind of – we ended up in the season uh, kind of looking at AAA and AA as where all the hope was lying. That's where all the prospects were. That's where the wave was visibly at. Um, we thought that AA, with that pitching rotation and the athleticism in the lineup, that that was going to be a no-doubt championship team. They were not at all that. And, in fact, the only taste and possibility of a postseason post-June came in Columbia. So they will. it doesn't matter how they did it in the first, first half. They gave us a little bit of juice at the end of the season, and, boy, that got me going, and I'm thankful for that. But they are the team now that you are wanting to see. That's the group that you're wanting to see compete. And they did. They were successful for the most part. Gavin Cross looks like the real deal. Caden okay. yeah. Wallace looks like the real deal. These prep pitchers look like they found something. They started doing something a little bit differently and getting outs differently. Um, all of a sudden, Mazzucato became the guy over Kudana there at the end of the year to kind of watch. So you throw all that in with the Alcantara's that we talked about in high A. you know a Cameron's that were shoving all year. You get those dudes together, Ben Hernandez, um, all these dudes, there is a semblance of a, a very functional rotation that can be pieced together in high A and double A next year, and that is exciting. I'm I, high A quad cities is going to be the place to be next year. It's kind of like when Prado and Melinda's a, uh, a Bobby, Vinny were all kind of coming up in northwest Arkansas, then it was Omaha. That's what this next wave is going to be. It's going to be very visible, uh, at the beginning of the year when they do assignments, so we're going to be able to uh, at least uh, schedule our nights around them. We just need to get Quad City is a better camera. Give me a battery for the love yes. of God.
1: We we have to have that next year. Otherwise, have we're to. only gonna be able to watch like half of Caderna starts, yep. half of Mazzucato starts. We're never gonna be able to see what they're really doing on any, you know, weekly basis. We're gonna yep. go entire weeks and have no idea how they did. So no idea. Um, not realistically, anyway. So <laughs> yeah, Jason Simon Tachi Simon Taki. Um, I I apologize. I'm not meaning to mispronounce his name. I don't. I just don't know if it's Taki or Tachi. Um, was the Royals pitching coordinator, minor league pitching coordinator, not the minor league pitching coordinator, a minor league pitching coordinator? Paul Gibson, I think, is technically the director of pitching in the minor the leagues. He's yeah. in charge of it. But Jason Simon Tachi was clearly one of the I don't know two or three most influential voices. He posted on LinkedIn that he is no longer doing that anymore. So we had LinkedIn breaking some news, which I think is interesting. Uh-huh. Um, just by the way, Hunter Dozier is pinch hitting in the bottom of the ninth, to trying to break up a, a no hitter. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, top of the ninth inning. They're pinch hitting Hunter Dozier. This is their, For this is their savior. I don't even know. I don't... Bobby. It looks like Drew Waters. Bobby? Uh, now, He's pinch hitting for Bobby. Just oh, my to... God. I was going to just... <laughs> I was going to end up... I was going to leave the studio and walk off the table. <laughs> just flip the table. <laughs> yeah, done. Done. So, never mind. Drew Waters is up now. Hunter Dozier's on deck. I don't know who's hitting. Maybe that was a Nicky Lopez thing. Could be. Oh, that some lefty sense. Up. Yeah. Well, you to hit hitting the ninth. You hate to see it. It's... It sound, It looks. It sure looks like there's going to be some movement among the pitching development staff. Yeah. We don't have to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, quite frankly. I just will say to anybody still listening, A, God bless you at this point. B, it does look like change is coming. I legitimately believe that change is coming. How much mm-hmm. change? I don't know. Last offseason, I said we would see the fruits of change this year. I really believed it. I Sipped the Kool Aid. I was driving the boat trying to tell you guys wait till we see Kaderna and Mazzucato. You're going to see change. And then Kaderna came out throwing Jackson Coar looking changeups, And I was like, I told you, I told you they're onto something. They're fixing it. It's going to get better. Look at Ben Kaderna go. And then it went to shit in a handbasket mm-hmm. really fast. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Um, I do think this organization's capable. They have shown us throughout time that they are capable of change. Sometimes they're just really slow at it. So we'll see. Um, Let's get into some final thoughts of the night. I told you guys what our final thoughts have to be. Joel, I'll start with you. Final thoughts, overreactions to week one of the NFL season. Russell Wilson is going to get Nathaniel Hackett fired after the end of the season.
3: (laughs) That was, like, we have seen some mind-bogglingly bad coaching decisions in college and professional football. In our lifetime, I have never been more confused and baffled by what the hell Nathaniel Hackett was thinking at the end of that game, thinking a 64-yard field goal was better than than sending out your quarter of a billion dollar cooked quarterback out for a fourth and five. Just egregiously awful. I, I think be
2: you faded- answered your own question there, right? You said he's a, he's a cooked quarterback, so do you trust him to go fourth and five?
3: It's better than sending your kicker out for a 64-yard field goal, not at in elevation hindsight, or in a
2: dome. Sure. No, Russ, was, Russ was I, running I, I, no, for t- his life that whole game. I'm, I'm with Joel.
1: You could have wakened me from a drunken stupor and handed me a PS5 controller, and I could have done a better job than Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> like, I could have been so drunk.
3: I took the Seahawks money line because I wanted to watch Russ cook and try and burn down the kitchen, like because that's normally what happens. But nope, Nathaniel Hackett, decided to take the chef's knives and burn down the kitchen himself that i
2: yeah i don't yeah brutal i
3: I have more but that was the main that was my main takeaway
2: i want to know how somebody started a fire with the chef's knives i was gonna say that's where i was (laughs) going with that i (laughs) I posted
3: (laughs) i posted at the end at the end of the game i posted the uh, the gif of homer simpson making cereal and he it sets on fire (laughs) i said that was nathaniel hackett at the end of the game
2: Yeah, that game was gross. That was dull, disgusting, and it, it made me so happy because uh, well, never it was, it. it's, it's Drew Locke and it's Fangio. We have these other great position players all over the place. These are obviously the problem. They go get Russell Wilson. They go get Hackett, and they never fix the offensive line, and that seems to be a problem.
3: That's why they're going to finish in last place in the
1: AFC West.
2: They, yeah. No. Okay, yeah, Whoa. No, no, well, yeah, there's your overreaction. Yeah, there it is. The Raiders looked a lot better no. than they did.
1: No, stop it. The Raider. I thought when I watched the Raiders Chargers game, I thought they both looked bad. Like I they thought did in the
2: first half for sure. Because
1: can we can we admit though? If you look at if you just click go to the CBS app or that's the one I use for for scores. Click the box score. Click teams team stats. The Broncos dominated that football game. 100%. They made way too many penalties. They. Fumbled, on Fumbled the, one. the one twice. Twice. They, 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 they should have won the game anyway at the end of yeah. that. They dominated that football game from beginning to end. I think the Broncos will be fine. I actually think that they will still finish second in the division. So Ooh. we'll see. That's not my that's not my overreaction. But Josh, I want your overreaction to
2: week one of the NFL season. I'm overreacting to what you just said that that they were going to be better than the Chargers. I don't. I'm not buying the Chargers. You, I'll sell.
1: Okay.
3: Okay. I'm not, now, to be fair, I'm not buying any other team other than the Chiefs. But yeah. Because,
2: well, that's yeah, that's really, a very good lead in to where I was at. I, the Chiefs were the most polished team that we saw play in Week One. Period. Almost like they played players in the
3: preseason, <laughs> and Maybe it matters. So. Like y'all see the stat that quarterbacks that did not play in the preseason went three and eight.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, the the Chiefs were the most polished. The Bills were the most impressive to me because they beat the Rams by three touchdowns in L.A. on the banner day on the road, and they turned the ball over four times, and they still won by three touchdowns. That is some scary shit. That, me says more, that says more about the Rams and the
3: Bills, in my sure. opinion.
2: Sure, and that Stafford's arm is gone, whatever you want to say about that. Cooper, Cooper Cup is incredible, by the He's way. Unbelievable. unbelievable. He is like
1: smaller, faster than Travis Kelsey.
2: Yeah, but Always they, open. there was no all those weapons that the Rams have, Nothing. nobody else was doing anything, and I think that that is an absolute credit to how good those Bills team is, and I am scared of them, and that is that and we, the Bengals are who we thought they are. They are fraudulent, capital F frauds. Get them out. They lose to the Steelers. The Steelers. Just that whole game was gross. Get an offensive line, speaking of. Get an offensive line, in Cincinnati, and then, then we'll keep talking. I, I have no respect for the Bengals. I also want to point out that the Bengals, the same as the Broncos,
1: dominated that game, would have won the game if their long snapper had been healthy. They 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 would have won it over five times. They would have won it twice. Right. That's that's not
2: sustainable.
1: That's that's just a that's slop. That's week one jitters. It's whatever. And they should have won the game twice. Their long snapper was hurt. They didn't have the operation to kick a field goal. Like they still should have won the game. That gets where I'm at with the overreactions, is I actually agree with you that the Bills were—they terrified me. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. But at the same time, there are some of these teams I'm not willing to overreact to. Here's my overreaction to week one. Patrick Mahomes, I will put a bet on it. If you guys can find me the prop, I will give you $100 to lay on it. He will throw over 59 and a half touchdowns this year. He's going to, he's going to, and by the way, Like, I know that number, like, feels really big because it is really big. But in 17 games, 60 touchdowns is three and a half. He just threw five, so he's got a good pace. But I think the difference, what we're going to see in Patrick Mahomes this year is an unwillingness to hand the ball off and score like most people do. He's going to go full Aaron Rodgers and check down to the screen pass or – the slant or the drag every time they get to the goal line. They're not going to run the ball anymore. I think the Chiefs have just decided we're not going to try to ground and pound. We're just going to make McColl run that way, Kelsey run that way, and somebody's going to be open. Like between Kelsey and McColl doing their thing, it might be Jody Fortson, but I think think Patrick Mahomes throws 60 touchdowns this year. I think he goes scorched earth. I think he throws damn near for a game. And I think they absolutely run it up every time they get a chance. We never see the Chiefs do what they did to the Cardinals. They, they absolutely the eviscerated them, and like, they wouldn't was. stop. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like Peter Griffin beating up Kyle. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> yeah. very nice Kyle, and he just proceeds to beat the crap out of him. Yep, that's it, what it was like. We never wish- see Andy Reid run it up. They ran it up. I wish that game was more competitive
3: because Mahomes would have thrown for like seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. In that yes. If it didn't get out of hand and they just let their foot off a little bit and just like, all right, let's get out of here. We have like
1: five guys hurt. This turf is awful. Let's get out of here.
2: Dude, it's more or but, less more or less what they did. And Pacheco just kept breaking off chunks.
1: Yes. If that was the 2018 Chiefs defense with a healthy, a fully healthy Cardinals offense, I think it would have been like 2018 Monday night football. Yeah. yeah with the Rams. <laughs> that, that, like 50 honestly, to 50.
3: with two depleted defenses, that might be what Thursday night football is. Well, like I think uh, both teams are in the upper 30s.
2: the I Chargers are also pretty depleted. I that's the, what I mean. Like would, both team, re- both
3: teams have it. Like JC Jackson's yeah. out, Trent McDuffie's out. <clears throat> um, like there is going to be some and also I don't think the Chiefs are gonna be kicking very much. Like, as much as I love uh the Guido Torpedo, Matt Amendola, um, I'm not gonna not gonna trust him with a game late game kick.
2: Nor should you. I mean, we saw that in the Thursday night game last year. How everybody just needs to go for fourth down and all the time, all the time, just every trip. of the times.
3: But I hope that the the Chargers go for fourth down like at the worst time, so that everyone can make fun <laughs> of Brandon Staley's hubris, and <laughs> I can enjoy that.
2: His nerdy spreadsheet with his analytics. How dare I just, you! I want to play. The Royals out didn't that. get no hit, folks. Hey. Bobby. Did Bobby get it? Bobby got it. Field single. No, RBI double. He
1: freaking roped it. Okay. Oh, they're showing literally the pitch after they show Dylan Cease losing his in the ninth inning. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
2: yeah. Eat it, all these good pitchers. Eat really it. Really
1: quick before we go, that I whipped Josh's ass at we fantasy. we Whip about this. I'm his nauseous. Ass. Get this, this man a bad some weekend milk. For me. He needs some milk.
2: I need some Pepto-Bismol.
1: Do we have a Tickets for Less ad or something we need to read? Oh, let me
3: hit that really quick before we get out of here. (laughs) Uh, Hey, everybody.
1: If you're going to the Chiefs game Thursday night, check out ticketsforless.com, KCSN 22. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and if you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer for the final stand of the year next week, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fees, so you can save big time over other sites out there. You can use our exclusive partner code at checkout to save even more. Use code KCSN at checkout when you're ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code KCSN22.
1: I'm ready for the off season, gents. <laughs> it's been a it's been a rough few years of baseball. I need I need an injection of heroin or something to get me back into it. It's coming, boys and fans. All right. Well, love you guys. See you again next week. We're going to be out at the game next Wednesday. If you guys are out there at the game Wednesday night, September twenty first, you want to say hi. Uh, reach out on twitter maybe we can everybody get together and eat a reese's pulled pork barbecue sandwich together
3: oh, i can't do it nope not happy. dude
1: it was so good for mm-hmm. no reason i don't i hate that i like it but. all right Well. good night canada